This episode's brought to you by pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> Time to start growing them now, ready for Halloween. <laughs> no, um, I'm, I'm planning to plant some this week, as a matter of fact. Yes. Yep. Pumpkins everywhere. And I'm going to do some bell peppers uh, and some kale. That's my plan for next week. Not sure about the kale, but I'm, I'm down for bell peppers. Definitely down. I'm going to try and make some smoothies. April to June. It says on BBC. BBC knows everything. You're beating the pumpkin rush, Jess. I don't really know what I'm doing. Never grown a pumpkin in my life. You could define pumpkin season. What pumpkins will be in fashion? Hello, this is Will. It is currently late on a Sunday evening and I am editing this episode of the show. This is the part of the show where Ben has told a long anecdote but failed to record it. So now, from memory, I will try and recount the important <laughs> points raised so that you can understand the rest of this fun conversation. So Ben takes us back to just before he leaves university. He tells us about a time where he started growing pumpkins. He took cuttings from the pumpkins to give as parting gifts to some friends from university. He later realised that the pumpkins he was growing in his garden were growing rampantly out of control and taking over the whole space. I think that's pretty much everything you need to know. Now back to the show. I also love how you're starting like a pumpkin infestation in your local community. Just like... That's going to be headlines in like six months' time. Man starts pumpkin infestation. It's not even pumpkin season. If this was at the end of university, that it could have spread across the whole country. <gasps> yes. You're like, track and trace it back to one man. <laughs> the pumpkin super spreader. Pumpkin track and trace. <laughs> when pumpkins attack. This is a great sponsor. Pumpkins are getting some great exposure here. Pumpkins as a whole. Hello and welcome to Unmuted Unmastered. I'm Will and this is the show all about music made possible by the internet. Today I'm joined by Tom. Hello. James. All right. Jess. Hello. And Ben. Hello everyone. On the show this week we're going to be talking about the future of nightclubs. I'm going to be reviewing the new Adult Mom album. But first, Tom, what have you been listening to this week? Well, Will, thank you very much uh, for asking me that question because obviously as usual I've got something to show you. Um, Ferris and Sylvester, live at Real World Studios. I've been following these guys for a couple of years now. Um, Jade Bird played in Exeter, and these guys followed her on her UK tour. That was in 2019. Why does that feel like so long ago? It was only two years ago. Oh, crikey. Um, but they were there um, as support act and were really, really surprising. They are um, a London-slash-Southwest-based duo who do um, like blues rock, uh, bluegrass folk music, and it feels really, really, really cool. Um, you could call it like analog in a digital world. You could call it, I don't know, any number of things. It's really, really nice to have an act that feels so um, raw and feels really, really, I don't know, stripped back. It's something that you say a lot, but it, it's rare to find an act that actually covers that in their instrumentation in their attitude to music in their attitude to playing live in everything they do and they really surprised me straight away there are still several songs um two years later that i still haven't heard since they played it at that gig they said they want to release it and they haven't released it since that's always so annoying isn't it oh like, my that god song that 
you have in your head, but like they just won't put it out. Literally, to be fair, and to be fair, they have done this, and they are slowly like releasing them now. So, like eighteen months later, I'm finally getting that hit of yes, I know what this song is called. I'm so happy about this. Um, but yeah, there is a nice, lovely selection of um sound of tunes recorded here at live uh, uh, live at Real World Studios. Um, this was done very recently. I think this was done like sort of November time, twenty twenty, that kind of time. Um, they've been very active over lockdown. They have been, um, I think, revising a debut album they were going to release, like sort of, um, it would have been this time last year, about March last year, but of course COVID pushed that back. Um, and their tour of the UK, EU, and um, the US as well. So like they've been pushing out other stuff since, and oh my God, it's also good. Um, yeah, I don't know where to start with highlights. Um I should be on a train. It's probably quite a nice, accessible song to start off with. It feels like, um, I don't know, it almost feels like a sort of 70s rock radio hit. It's very, very punchy. It's very um, vocal. It's that kind of song where it feels proper to shout and scream the lyrics along to it. Whereas, you know, a lot of songs you want to be like, you know, really nice and pretty and make it sound nice. This song is just about shouting it out loud and shouting the message out loud which is really nice knock you down is another one um where you can tell it was made with a little bit of audience participation in mind like you know and that's what i love about listening to this album i can kind of dream about going back and hitting and hearing them live um stand out for me though is flying visit this is an acoustic song that they did um at their set they've done a little bit of they've had a little bit of instrumentation to it so a few strings and an extra electric guitar but it's one of the sweetest little songs I have heard in so long. Um, yeah, that's a really, really nice song. Um, and that's about it. I don't really want to spoil it. Normally I give like a little bit away of albums, but I really think you need to go and listen to it and kind of um, appreciate what little I've said about it. Um, so yeah, Ferris and Sylvester, live at Real World Studios. I like that you mentioned how it kind of took you back to a live uh a live performance and mm. and that's something that i definitely felt with uh pillow queen's album from last year that i i think i've talked to you guys about in the past that i really loved that had that really like live electricity to it and and i think in the current age where we haven't been to gigs in a year and a half if not more yeah it, it's really important to have those releases that give us a bit of release in that sense definitely yeah definitely it feels like it would not feel out of place if it did have crowd noise in the background and it's quite sad that it doesn't in a way i kind of want it to have that and to even even if it's like you know a few um scant hands in the background even even if it's like half a dozen people who were just there who happened to be there and thought yes this is amazing and started clapping after they finished i feel as though one of it's one of those releases that needs that but yeah no it, it really made me uh, reminisce and make me a little bit wistful about uh, going to see them and other acts and yeah it has also really energized me i really want to go back and see them perform these songs i really really do so uh yeah a very uplifting ep in a way in a strange way nice moving on jess what have you been listening to this week i've been listening to miramasa this week so I mean, he's a whole artist, but I've been listening to two albums in particular and a single because I realised that I hadn't really heard 
anything of his despite knowing like having heard about him for quite a few years and hearing him guest on things or like collaborate um i heard the albums had good reception so thought i'd check it out and yeah it turns out i've been missing out i really should listen to him earlier because i really enjoyed it um i started off listening to his first proper studio album which is just called miramasa and that was a lot of fun um i guess he's like it's hard to sort of tie it down to like a genre or specific style because he plays a lot of different instruments and he's a producer so it varies a lot it kind of reminds me of like a gorillas album in the way that it's there's so many guests and like in the same way that it's hard to tie them down to a specific genre because it just sort of flips around to whatever they felt like they were interested in doing at that time um so a lot of fun like i had a lot of guests on that yeah i had asap rocky christine and the queens Charlie XCX and Damon Alban, who, you know, is from Gorillaz, so that kind of makes sense, actually. Probably you see the inspiration there. And then I moved on to his second album, which I actually think I enjoyed more, which is called RYC, which stands for Raw Youth Collage, I think. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that one. I particularly liked No Hope Generation, which is actually one he hasn't got any um, any collaborators on. It's just him. It's quite like... Um, it's not like a punk album, but a lot of the um, mood of it is quite punky and quite sort of rebellious and like teenage orientated, <laughs> kind of like a teenage movie. But um, particularly the second, is that second to last song? Last song um, called Teenage Headache Dreams with Ellie Rousel and Wolf Alice. That to me sounded like it was such the epitome of a, of a teenage movie, but it wasn't like cringy either. It was quite... It felt like it captured it in a very accurate way without sort of falling into stereotypes too heavily or coming off as, like, um, I don't know, too immature or cliched. So that was good. Even that was a bit of a slower song. Um, Deal With It with Slow Tie. I love that song so much. That's so much fun. Um, so that was a that was a great highlight for me. And I'm quite... Um, I need to listen to some more Slow Tie because I've enjoyed his stuff as well recently. So I'm actually moving on to that next. Um, and finally, I wanted to point out a meeting an, at an oak tree. Really made me laugh. This one, it's like a sort of spoken word story. It's very reminiscent of um, the first big weekend by Arab Strap. If anyone knows that, which is just about it's not like the 90s. It's a sort of spoken word track, similarly about um, a weekend of nights out. And it's if you ever listen to like the streets and hear about those, you know, the themes and the activities that happen, it's quite relatable usually for a lot of people. It's on that kind of wavelength so that one really made me laugh even though it's quite a short song uh yeah it was great i really enjoyed it it's very varied like i said and i think the second one the first one seemed a bit more like um just a collection of singles for different people this one felt like it had more of a coherent theme which is nice and like i said it didn't seem too um cliched and then finally just as another thing most recent release and the only thing from 2021 is um a new single with Alice Longyu Gao, I hope I pronounced that right, um, called Shi Abunai, I hope I pronounced that right as well. Um, I've really made it hard for myself. But um, yeah, I'm quite a fan of hers actually as well. She's It's like hyper-pop, I guess, and quite... Uh, I think a lot of people might not like it at all, to be honest. It's one of those ones that's a little bit more out there, and I would not be surprised if people listen to it and go, oh, what on earth is, is this? So it's maybe a bit of an acquired taste, but I quite like where she's going, and like she's sort of trying some new interesting things in hyperpop I guess which is quite a laugh so I enjoyed that collaboration that was a um yeah it's quite catchy actually if I was listening to that a lot lately 
and that came out um, about two, three weeks ago, I think. So yeah, quite a few things for me, but I enjoyed it all really, so check it out. It's interesting that you say you preferred RYC because I, I loved Muramasa's debut when it came out, and then when, when the second album came out, I really like the ideas of it. Like a lot of it is kind of dipping into things that were done in the noughties in kind of, you know, the era that I have like fond nostalgia of. But I just feel like it wasn't executed fantastically, other than like a few tracks like Deal With It, which is fantastic and has that like big, big beat behind it. A lot of them felt a bit too simple and and didn't have much going on, but then everything was just like distorted to the point where you can't fit anything, any other elements into it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, this is, I, I listened to them both in a span of a few days, so um, my opinion will definitely uh, have to settle over time, I think. But first impressions, I guess it was just the the um, coherence of the second album that that helped, at least on the first time around. Yeah, you got me hooked when you said uh, Chrissy and Queens. I really adored her debut album. Uh, what was it, Shallow Man or Human Nature? I can't remember what the actual title ended up being. I think she also goes by Chris now instead of Christine and Queens, which is a bit of yeah, I think so uh, trivia. But yeah, that was a spectacular album. But yeah, now I'm immediately interested. I'm going to listen to Muramasa at the first available opportunity just for that reason. So yeah, good recommendation. Nice. Next up, James. What have you been listening to this week? Um, this week I've been listening to Everything Everything, uh, British rock band. Um, I got first introduced them through um, their album Get to Heaven, which was released six years ago now that doesn't feel real that had great songs like distant past get to heaven spring sun winter dread and yeah i really love that album um but like since i haven't really been like catching up with them so i've been listening to their latest stuff i listened to reanimator which i i did enjoy but it didn't have the same kind of enjoyment or like the features that i um relate to everything everything like the, the kind of rhythms they have the harmonies they have in the other albums um but the, yeah the latest album kind of really really um reminded me of kind of radiohead more than themselves but i don't mind that it's still enjoyable and to my surprise like a couple of days ago they released a single called supernormal which i'm a bit like i don't i don't love it that much it, it seems a bit messy to me but yeah, um, but overall, their their music is great, and the album cover to get to heaven as well that that is like amazing. It looks so good. Yeah, I was quite underwhelmed with their latest album. Also, did you listen to the one in between Get to Heaven and Reanimator? I can't remember what it's called now. It's called A Fever Dream. That's it. Yeah, because I really like that album, but I do understand that it is kind of it's Depeche Mode worship. But yeah, I love Depeche Mode so. Let's go for it. Yeah, I feel like it's a bit of a kind of stepping stone to Reanimator, but it doesn't go that far. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting for me. Like, everything, everything... I don't know. I feel very, very indifferent towards them. Like, a lot more than I do a lot of other bands. I don't know. I feel as though if I was at a festival and everything, everything came on the stage, I would recognise the big numbers and go, okay, cool. But I, I don't think my relationship would go any further than that. I'm very sort of... I don't know, just very indifferent towards them. I don't know why, because I know a lot of friends who are um, quite into them, and like I've never been able to um, get hooked on them, but I might try them again. 
And certainly, like I agree, artwork is superb, which is always like fifty percent of how good an album sounds. We know this is true. <laughs> yeah, for me, like it's just how how like different they sound from other rock bands. You know, like, the, like, especially the rhythms that they use and the harmonies that they use. It sounds. It doesn't sound Western. It it almost sounds. I guess African, but I don't want to kind of generalize that music too much because I know there's a lot of distinct details of that music. But mm. yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sound how I would relate to normal rock music, and I really enjoy it. Where would you start, Man Alive? If you want something to like easy, I would go to Get to Heaven because I feel like that was a bit more mainstream, and it, for me that that's the album that got me hooked. But also do listen to their like previous stuff as well before that album. It's it's very similar to that. Okay, I'll jump in next. Uh, this week, there hasn't been much new music that I've been super interested in in the last few weeks, but it's given me a chance to kind of go back and explore some of the earlier releases in the year that I've missed. One of which that I've really been enjoying is Omunit's new album. It's called Acid Dub, Acid Dub Studies. Uh, if you don't know Omunit, he's a producer. He's based in Bristol. He's released a whole bunch of different styles of dance music over the years. So back in 2014, he did a fantastic drum and bass album for Metalheads. Last year, he did a really good EP with Martin, and it was like dubstep and some techno elements mixed together. Uh, This one does pretty much what it says on the tin. It's a dub album with lots of acid elements in it. Um, There's also some techno kind of blended in because he is an electronic music producer. Um, but yeah, I really love this album. It, it's it's quite slow. It's not as intense as a lot of his stuff. But for the moment, where um, kind of having something that's more thoughtful and can kind of sit in the background w- works quite well for for being in lockdown. I uh, I think this is a, a good album for the times. I think he he uses a lot of the dub and acid elements well and they fuse together a lot better than i would have thought so he'll have like um really long reverbs and and delays to get that dub sound and then he'll have like 303 bass lines as well with those big like squelchy acid sounds that if you know about acid house that that's kind of where that sound comes from and yeah it all it all comes together into into this really well-made package um and yeah i've been really enjoying it and i am glad that i (laughs) found the time and to kind of go back and search through some of the early releases in the year ben what have you been listening to this week yeah i've been similar to yourself will uh dipping into something a little bit less current but uh kid francisco's album play me again and a particular tune that I just can't get enough of is Moon. It kind of makes you feel like you're the main character in a film. And you're, it just really throws you back into a nostalgic feeling. Um, it's quite melancholic. And I'd say it throws you between somewhere lost between happiness and sad. But not really a bad sense of sad. It's... Uh, it's a good kind of set. Um, I'd recommend watching the YouTube visit video first, uh, the music video. That was a, that will get you 
in tune with what they're trying to get across, I think. And it evokes a different emotion in everyone who listens to it, I feel. But the album Play Me Again is, is really gives you kind of carefree vibes. So I would say listener beware during lockdown because it really gets you wanting to get out and explore and throws you back to those, those kind of times. But it's a, it's a artist that I listen to quite a lot and it's a, a particular track moon that I, if I'm ever feeling upbeat or if I'm feeling low, just go back to and, and enjoy it. And it's quite a long track as well. So you can, you can always just get lost in it for a while. It's really interesting thinking about how, I don't know, how you can, how you can have the same reaction to the same feeling because it feels as though it's, I don't know, maybe a bit wistful in the same way like you mentioned, uh, you know, you might start thinking about, you know, feeling a lot more carefree and hopefully uh, in, the ne- in the coming months when COVID restrictions start to lift and life gets, starts to get back to normal, you know, can you wait that long after you've listened to the album? I think that's a really, really interesting idea. Yeah, it's, it's, it's also, I'll go back to the point I made about it. Everyone who listens to it comes out of it thinking different things and where it took them in a completely different direction. And that's one of the reasons I like it so much. It's something that's always on my uh, playlists to listen to on, on, a, on a road trip or on a journey in a car. And when I, when I kind of get lost in the song, because it hasn't really got strong vocals, but it's got really strong instrumentals. And I just get lost in that. And I probably go down a completely different uh, train of thought to yourself, Tom. And that's something I quite like about it. Mm. But they're the best albums anyway. Like I love it when an album... It's not trying to be like, you know... Um, it's not trying to be different or it's not trying to be like particularly arty, but it builds and it sculpts... I don't know, just a feeling so well, like, you know, that it can transport you away from where you are. I think those are really, really powerful albums and they don't come along that often. So, yeah, I am definitely intrigued by your explanation, Ben. Nice. It seems like one to check out. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about the future of nightclubs. So stay tuned. Yeah, so um, we are in the middle of our third lockdown in the UK. Fingers crossed it will be the last one. Um, The PM uh, last month it was, I think in the middle of February, um, announced the plan to eventually lift all COVID-19 restrictions. Uh, That's in tandem with um, the vaccination program that's going on in the UK and another... uh, number of other initiatives at the same time um the key date for us today is going to be the 21st of june which if i look at my bbc article here i believe the actual wording is uh what is it all legal limits on social contact remove and the hope to reopen final closed sectors of the economy uh for us that means live gig venues hooray and it means nightclubs thank goodness um but it did get me thinking, all being well, if when we are back on the 21st, what are clubs going to look like? Because uh, I think we saw briefly last summer for like, whatever it was, like six or eight weeks, 
uh, these slightly alternative venues open up where uh, they were based in much bigger, wider open spaces. Um, I think there were several like um, city centre venues, but that weren't um, like permanent structures. They weren't like you know what you would traditionally find where you would traditionally find a nightclub, like wherever it might be in uh, an old restaurant or an old hall or an old uh, you know factory or warehouse. You know, suddenly they were in these very temporary structures with lots of outdoor space. And it kind of got me thinking, after COVID and after everything that's happened, the idea of going back to a very old school venue uh, with like, you know, a very low roof and hopefully an air, con- an air conditioning unit, but where you're crammed in like sardines, that seems really, really unappealing to me. I think we also had a conversation about this uh, off microphone, but I think we're also at an age where the idea of student clubbing and you know more people in the room is better and if you can feel your feet squelching on on you know dried up drinks that's a great idea i think we're all kind of past that idea but it did kind of get me thinking like i would like you know to go back to the bar to, do, to have a drink to have a dance to have a laugh when all this is over um but what does that look like i really don't know what it's looked like any strong opinions any feelings on this um i do want that experience again, that kind of like awkward sardine experience again, even if it's like somewhat disturbing, I guess. Um, <laughs> I do want to kind of experience all of that again, like even like the awkward things about COVID not being here, just like cues, like sardines, as you said. Um, yeah, I, I want to experience all of that again because we've missed out on that so much. And it'll bring in like a rush of kind of not nostalgia but that feeling again and yeah, I do want that mm. I could definitely imagine I can definitely imagine like doing it one time for old time's sake but I don't know whether it would become like a habit again I don't see myself like going back there like permanently not unless I'm being paid yeah I think that's a natural part of getting older though like um, what you do in at university and <laughs> your ongoing club life are always going to be different I mean, I'm looking forward to maybe going to some better clubs when I move to a different city in September. But I'm not desperate to go to any normal student cheesy nights or pop music nights. I'm quite happy to be a bit more selective. I think we're quite lucky about the time that this is hitting, though, uh, particularly for musicians, because I think there are going to be more options for them of... uh, events like dot to dot festival and stuff like that where it's not all based in one place they have locations dotted around the city which would allow there to be lower capacity in each one while the venues still make money while the artists still make money and the people who go don't have to be all crammed into a space that's really tiny it can be a bit more spread out and you can add in those outdoor events as well that kind of let you have more people but less risk of COVID being a, a massive issue and help to alleviate some of that anxiety either. So I'm sure lots of people have about going back back to big public events. I feel like I'm going to have a degree of nostalgia about going back. Like others have said, I want to go back at least once to have a typical student club night at some point because... I mean, for me, and I think for all of us, probably, um, we didn't have graduations because of COVID. And 
you know, that's like the one night you've got to go and have a typical, your last student night. I guess it's sort of like your um, stag or hen party equivalent, but like for student life. Um, so I definitely want to have that back because it was sort of taken away. But apart from that, I'm not too worried. Um, I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. I think it. I think the typical student or typical club in general, I guess, will come back. Like it's not going to definitely change everything, but there might be some new options too, which would be cool. Like I've just been invited to. I think some of you might have been as well. Invited to a club night, um, which starts at like six or seven p.m. and it's all seated, um, and it just sounds completely bizarre because that sort of thing would normally start at like, I don't know, ten eleven later than that even um and obviously just be like rammed in and dancing and stuff so it's it's gonna be so strange to experience the same um or or try and have the same event but like run seated and early in the day it'd be like going to sort of like andre ryu concert or something does no one know who that is no no is that violin guy yeah i know who you mean yeah it's like you see it on tv adverts they have those big like outdoor seated European concerts. Yeah, I imagine it will be a bit like that. But very different music. <laughs> yeah, slightly. Definitely very different. Very different. Well, you know, he did, he did the Macarena once, and that happens in Cheesies, so... There's your link. There's the connection. There's, you yeah. know, there's there's our theme for tonight. Everyone does the Macarena. Also, should we explain what Cheesies is for audience members who might not know? We should. I don't know if this is a universal thing. So... There is a club at Exeter that we haven't been sponsored by, so I'm not going to say their name. But if they want to sponsor us, we're very much willing to take their money. (laughs) (laughs) That has a club night, which is uh, called Cheesy Tuesdays, and they play... I don't really know what the qualifying factors are for it. Like, it's pop music from the past, I guess. Uh, the drama societies have to sing along uh, is a general rule of thumb or like you know the 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 thespians among the student population they all have to know every single lyric so uh uh come on Eileen, dexie's midnight runners uh september by earth wind and fire um anything by taylor swift um which is more recent than 2014 uh you know the usual the usual kind of I don't even know how you describe it. I, I've, I've got, I've got, a, I've got my own issues here because, like, I am, by my own admission, a bit of a music lover. I mean, obviously, I'm doing music podcast, but also I do love cheesy music. I love it so much. Um, I think there was literally a Spotify um, playlist called Cheesy Hits, which does summarize the category pretty well. I think there are some things that I'd add, but it's a pretty good representation of what cheesies actually is. Um, and also, I I don't think it's exclusive to like a region. I think it is kind of part of U, part of UK culture because I was um, I did my undergrad degree in Reading, and that was very much part of the local scene. So I think it is just generally like a student twenties something club kind of vibe. That's very much what they do. I mean, it even goes as far as like Lion King um, and Fresh Prince of Bel Air theme tune extended version, mm. uh, of course classics <laughs> so they even it doesn't even be have to be like um pop music because i mean that that is but it's you know a theme to something as well so it's kind of even like breaking the boundaries of a typical radio pop song yeah let's come back let's come back to that in a minute because i think we're going to do a little bit more about you know like cheesy hits in a minute anyway but it's interesting that like everyone's it definitely there's an appetite to go back certainly amongst us and i've got a feeling amongst a lot of people i think a lot of people do want to go back to 
just having a bit of a wild night out at some point or another, you know, hopefully as as um, safely and responsibly as we can within the realms of reason. Um, but it, I, I found it kind of interesting, like what venues would be left? Because like, I know I did work for a, a student club in Exeter whilst I was studying there. There was no guarantee that we were going to come back. It was really, really... Uh, there were lots of big question marks, especially around like sort of uh, March 2020 when we were like, you know, we literally spent some time packing down the equipment and putting it away for one last time. That was a very strange feeling doing that. And yeah, it's going to be peculiar to see which venues come back. Hopefully most of them come back, but which ones will and which ones won't. Will they relocate? Will they look different? It's going to be interesting to see. But um, yeah, it's really, really interesting. Um, I was reading a post in The Guardian as well because I didn't realise the true extent of how many people are thinking about pivoting away from the industry because um, uh, what have we got here from The Guardian? We lost the love. UK nightclubs using COVID crisis to reassess scene with 750,000 jobs at risk. Some see the pandemic as a chance to reset the industry and dance music. This was published like back in like last August so there has been a lot of um, leeway between there and now but Again, I'm really curious to see if the landscape will look any different or whether people will just reset to what they did before. But um, yeah, I'm kind of wondering how nightclubs will look and if there will be a new, maybe a new niche of venues that caters to being a slightly more open space, a slightly wider space. But then again, why not go to a festival? I suppose we're just going to have to wait and see on that one. I think long term, things are going to go back to roughly how they were before. But I think a lot of nightclubs are going to learn lessons from how they've been making money this year. And I th I think you can look to certain venues who have had um, like small startup restaurants serving food on their premises while they haven't been able to, to like open. But, you know, look at down in Exeter, they had a uh, like a jerk chicken place open up that they've been doing all right. And now they have a cafe there that, that's serving drinks and stuff. So... I think some of those things are going to continue, but I do, I do think maybe not the clubs we had before, but eventually a few years down the line where other clubs have fallen, new ones will take their place and it, it's going to more or less level back to the, the relationship we had in the past. Mm. Mm. We're also not sponsored by... <laughs> oh yeah, I shouldn't have mentioned their name. I'll beef it out, I guess. <laughs> no money, no mention. I, I think it will go. I, I don't know. I think it will go one of two ways. Actually, I think after a disruption like this, the reaction will either be uh, an indulgence because people will be wanting to go back to it. They'll be missing it. They'll be realizing how much they liked it, and there will be uh, increased demand. Or there will be a change in, as you said, what the offering is. And it could go, it could either really change the industry or it could actually end up with a, a long-term benefit. So it'd be quite interesting to see. And if we are also like excited to go back, I suppose that leads us on to our next uh, point of call, which we were interested in looking at. What does the cheesy playlist look like? What does our proper... Uh, you know, ultimate club playlist look like? Can we give a taster? Is there something that each of us want on there? And also, uh, 
the other point on here as well, what would we not have on there? What would we also effectively... Well, to be fair, can we say the words that we put down on the show notes? I don't know if we're actually allowed to say that because it may be a copyrighted term. House. House 500. Yeah, that one. (laughs) If we had a time machine, which songs are we going back and erasing from history so that we never have to hear again? Pretty much. But yeah, to be clear, this this is our, um, like, cheesy music, fun party night out, rather than, you know, what would I do if I was DJing at Fabric on a Saturday night or something? Or the soundtrack to Eeyore's Gloomy Place, for example. <laughs> that sounds great. What would be on there? That's a new, that's a new topic. That's, that's a new topic. That, that, that's next week. Coming up next week. James, you had a big opinion on this that I strongly disagree with, so I want you to start off. So I think, like, if it's going on the cheesy playlist, then Mr. Brightside is okay. I think I'm alright with that, even though I might want to turn my ears a bit. But if it's like a normal night out, I don't want to hear that song again. And like, it comes up... What's wrong with Mr. Brightside? It's just like, always on. And now I'm just like, fed up of it. Especially the chorus, I know. The the verses actually, yeah. It's just like it's so monotonous. I hate it. Oh, I'm going to fully endorse Mr. Brightside. I I'd say the fact it's always on means just from <laughs> su- just just from demand that means that there's a reason why they're they're hitting the right spot with it. Everyone enjoys it. Okay. Everyone's smiling. Yeah, I'm probably being a bit like except for the cynics. Yeah, I when it is on, I'm. I will join. I know in, you will. Let's say, <laughs> and you know you will. But but when I look back at it, like well, I don't want I don't want that song on anymore. I want like new music. I want something interesting. But I will give you that we could have a bit more variety in like classic killers tunes. Like I feel mm. like there, there's a bunch like Read My Mind and Atomic When You Were Bomb. Young, Sam's Town. Yeah, somebody told me even like Human and some of the more recent stuff. I think could work well, and and we do get a lot of Mr. Brightside all the time, but it it's it's so good as well. I want to endorse it as well because not for its like musical quality, but just for its place in British culture. It's just it's a staple now. It's a classic, and that in itself to me that's like more important than how it actually sounds as a song. Like if I'm just taking it out, of, you know, context, it's fine. But it's not bothered by it. But um, it's just uh, yeah, it's a classic now. I just I couldn't see it disappear. I've been losing losing part of my identity. James, I love how disgruntled you look about all of this. You just <laughs> I can see <laughs> I can see the fury in your face. No, no, no. I was like I was really surprised when you want you wanted to say you wanted to keep it. I was like, what? This is like always on. I I I give it like it's really accessible and it's really easy to sing along to. And I guess that's the kind of vibe you sometimes want to get in a club. But I don't know, I was just fed up with it at this point. <laughs> I mean, from my perspective, like Mr. Brightside is a song that I only hear, I exclusively hear in the club. I It's never a song that I would like consciously put on outside of like, you know, uh, like, you know, 2am, nearly the end of the night, stumbling over yourself. That's basically the only place where I would ever hear it. Probably similar to the Arctic Monkeys in a way. So like, as long as it's like, partitioned there i don't mind like i wouldn't have it elsewhere in my life i'll take it if it, if that's where it lives and if that's where it stays i'm happy with it there i think hot fuss is a great album 
I don't, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Oh, overall the album's great, but like just Mr. Brightside by itself, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's funny that you say it's easy to sing along to because I still don't know eighty percent of the words in the chorus. I'm just sort of mouthing like sounds in the club. Well, yeah, the tune is easy to follow. <laughs> Let's say that. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you mention um, Arctic Monkeys, Tom, because I think I that's the one I disagree with the most. How you don't want Arctic Monkeys in the club, like. I love it so much, especially um, Suck It and See, that, that, that album is like, I love it so much. It might be not be the one that people like lean towards, but it's the one I lean towards, especially like Black Treacle and Don't Sit Down Because I Moved Your Chair. I, I love those and I'd love to hear them in the club. I was going to say that's a really rogue choice of Arctic Monkeys album. I know, yeah. That is a rogue choice. That's, that's, that's way less bass than most people I know who, who like Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, and it's not even like I don't like the other albums. I do love the other albums as well, so it's a bit weird. But the latest album, not I'm not really into. Okay, okay, losing points here. We, we've gone from B plus to a B minus here. Like it's yeah, I, I I don't know what it is about Arctic Monkeys. Like I don't have anything inherently against them. Okay, when they're headlining Glastonbury, it's a cool night. Okay, it looks pretty fun. I'm not gonna say no to them, but I don't know what it is. I, I I literally made notes about this. I made notes about a few different songs, and I thought, well, to be fair, the one I can make the most notes about, I'll put in a show because probably there's something there to talk about, okay? And maybe I'm opening a can of worms, but you know, I think it's also worth it. Like, I don't know what it is. I just don't find them particularly remarkable. I know what it is, especially Tom. the ones that get played. I know. Mm-hmm. What, I know exactly what it is. What's that? I, I don't know if anyone else can relate to it, but I, I just think it's uh, Arctic Monkeys are one of those those bands that a mum listens to, and then oh, don't say and, that. Oh, you ruined it for me. And <laughs> thinks they're really cool by liking them, and like, oh, they remind me of the Beatles. Oh, this throws me back, and then they talk about it within within their other mum circles, and that's completely scarred it for me. So I can't listen to them in the same way. And maybe maybe you're experiencing the same thing, Tom. I don't know. Oh man, no, I Ben, I had a completely different explanation, but now I don't want to say mine because you've just put it so perfectly. <laughs> That's so right. I have a friend who, um, I don't know, they heard Arctic Monkeys over the radio or something recently, and they're like, "Oh, they're the ones that did that AM album," and they didn't know it. They didn't know them for like anything else. And it, I don't know, it just made me feel a bit weird. And I don't know, like they thought, they thought like AM was like the debut album. Yeah, Do I Wanna Know is a big problem. Just like that was a song that was terribly overplayed at the time, is still overplayed and isn't really that remarkable, in my humble opinion. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you on that. But it's just, like, particularly in like, a, in particularly in like a club setting of some kind, for whatever reason, Art and Monkeys does come up in main room. Why? I have no idea, but sometimes it does happen. Someone is just nuts, or some yobbo decides to, you know, just suggest it to the DJ, and the DJ, you know, goes along with it for like a choke. But I don't know. I always notice the mood go a little flat when the Arctic Monkeys goes on for some reason. It's not particularly groovy or danceable or even very nice to sing, okay? They're both, and like, those two songs that I mentioned, like, I bet you look good on the dance floor and do want to know, like, I don't know. They both feel like, Im- imagine if you will, like, I imagine, like, someone on the side of the dance floor 
which is funny saying given that one of the songs is I bet you look good on the dance floor they're to the side of it okay they are to one side they are extras they are scenery they've got their hands in their pockets they're nodding their head while sipping a VK that's my imagination of an Arctic Monkeys fan at a club uh, with like the immortal fear in your eyes of uh, like worrying I don't know how many stripes are on your shirt when like a really hipster worry fear I don't know that's that's my general take on it. That's that's where the Arctic Monkeys currently sits in my head, and nothing's going to change that apart from Ben's explanation of also your mum likes it, which is probably why I sat by the side of the dance floor in the first place, not dancing along because you're that worried about it. Um, yeah, that's that's my rant. Rant over. We, we, this is the hot take for this week. Come at me. You guys seem to have all put a lot more thought into the Arctic Monkeys than I have. They're just, it's just fun, you know, rock music. I feel like a lot of the stuff from their first two albums is pretty danceable. And it, it works well in the context of kind of hitting towards the end of the night in at the place where me as an indie music aficionado might put Japan droids or something. I bet that you look good on the dance floors, this like, you know, it's a heavy, fun, jump along rock song. For me, that that's enough. I, I really don't understand which mums you've been talking to. <laughs> <laughs> you've got this picture of the Arctic monkeys. They're it doesn't rock. make any sense. I am absolutely reeling from these takes today. I don't know what's going on or why we've taken this huge detour into Arctic monkeys. But They're on the, the mums black market. You, you'll realise now, you just don't know. It's the same with Bastille and Dads. You, you don't know it. Yes, you don't know right. it until yes. you know it. <laughs> This is the thing. I wouldn't um, put Arctic Monkeys as a club band at all, really. I can see that a couple of songs could be kind of fun. I mean, I love their first album. Like, wherever I am, that's what I'm not. I, I really like that album. I like a few of their singles from later points, um, but not the albums as much. That, that doesn't mean to say I want them in a club at the same time. Yeah, this is the thing. They're not inherently a bad band, but they just come up in clubs and it's like, this, is, this just doesn't feel right. Like and like even even on the point of just like it feels good to end the night. I've never been in a club where like that seems to have happened. Maybe I've been looking the other way, or like I've just always been having a terrible night. I don't know. It happens, but like I th- there's a difference between like correlation and coincidence. You know, it's happened too many times for it to be yo know, just coincidence. I mean, I'm not saying that cheesy's DJs do end the night with it, but I'm saying that it could work in that context. I guess I'm not really someone who'd go for indie rock in a club at all, to be honest. Like, is it Indie Night that's at one of the clubs in X2 as well? I think it's just what it's called. I mean, it's fun because you get to hear something different. Um, But yeah, I like hearing music that, you know, is different to other clubs. But I still wouldn't really go for it as a whole. I guess to me, club music is is dependent. What qualifies as good music is dependent on that scenario that you're in a club. So it's not necessarily the same as what I'd want to put on in my in my room, you know, at home. Yeah, and it's worth clarifying, like, indie nights, I have no problem. Like, that's where they belong. It is the ultimate indie indie track. Why is it in the main club room? Why are you doing this? Did someone put it up, put it, put you up to do it as a bet? Come on. But th- this is the inherent problem with cheesies, though, is that songs are picked because people know them rather than because they're a song that fits or that works in a certain context, I think. It's just like karaoke night. You're not going to hear it. And I think that's like particularly, I don't know, great to, to sing along to. It's just like pe- songs that people really enjoy and everyone knows. Someone put 
This wasn't me. Someone put September by Earth, Wind and Fire. I'm unhappy about that opinion. Yes. Good. I I love that song so much. <laughs> I love Earth, Wind and Fire, to be honest. And you can dance to that. Like, come on, that's like going one of the funkiest things out of any of the sort of songs that we normally listen to in cheesies. So how could you possibly want to throw that one out over other things? Well, that's in the playlist. That's in the playlist. I, I definitely don't want to get rid of, rid of that ever. Like, I, I, would, I would gold plate that and, and keep it in a glass cabinet. It is one of the best dance songs there has ever been and one of the best club songs there's ever been, no question. I Yeah, I'm with you there. It's just like, for me, like, uh, like September is one of those songs that just feels like three minutes of complete fun and there is nothing else to it. Okay, it's not meant to look cool. It's not meant to look fashionable and it's not meant to look, you know, in any way appetizing. It's just fun. It's just completely fun. And that's what I love about it. You know, I just thought that's that's what a good club night and particularly a good cheesy night is all about for me. You lose to that one, Jess, and I may as well bring up the other one that I said, which again, it's almost like no one cares if this com- if this song comes up, but like "Lady Hear Me Tonight" by Mo- by Mojo or Mojo. Is it Mojo or Mojo? I've heard it said both ways. I think it's Mojo, but I'm not French, so yeah. I'm not not an expert. I'm just, I'm just British, so I would just say Mojo. Um, but again, it's just one of those songs where it's just like it's got a catchy hook. It's got also a bit of guitar. Maybe it's just because I'm a guitarist, but I do notice that both these songs do have, you know, semi-prominent guitars, which do appear at odd moments. Maybe that's something that I've picked up on. I don't know. But yeah, both of them are thrilling songs. Um, and they're just joy. They're just fun, which is what I want. And also, the other thing which I haven't brought up yet, my idea of going to cheesies, to be fair, going to any club night, is to go there to have a drink and then sing and scream until I can't talk anymore once I get out the other side. I can do that to both these songs, and it's brilliant. Okay, that is the that is the whole point of going out in the first place. So, you know, hopefully not in an obnoxious way. Hopefully the music is loud enough that it drowns me out, but maybe not all the time. Um, but yeah, both of them completely encapsulated that for me. So I would definitely keep both of those ones. Those are definitely both straight in, no questions asked, in my humble opinion. Should we get into the songs that we really would want for our our ultimate cheesies club night then? And. I'll kick us off with a song that I think is really underrated and deserves more love. It's by Duke Dumont, who you might know from singles like I Got You and Ocean Drive. He had a song from two year, uh, three years ago now, so 2018. It's called Inhale, and it's a fantastic like synth pop song with dance elements in there, and it works really well, and lots of his other singles have been super popular, and for some reason this one just never seem to reach that level of popularity and cross over to the mainstream but i think it 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 deserves another chance no i definitely did um listen to some of that and i definitely agree with you there will yeah it was, it was a banger that's why i put it on the dock it's a banger Right, so we've just listened to the song. What did everyone think? I see what you mean. That's a banger. That's a proper song. Yeah, you can imagine like people 
getting to know that song, then they then they can like sing along once they've heard it enough. Yeah, it's, it's one of those. Did anyone else have any songs that they definitely want included on their Cheesies playlist? I just want to go back in time a little bit and just, you know, Cheesies has a lot of um, 80s like synth pop, but I think it gets stuck on the same songs a lot. There's, there's a lot of other things to tap into in that sort of era or go back further. We could do some funk and some disco. Disco is severely underrated, uh, at least in Exeter, and underrepresented. And I think it would be a great laugh. I'm thinking maybe like, I don't know, maybe some ESG or something. Um, or looking at some synth pop playlists of mine, I don't know, maybe. I don't know, Dolce Vita is is pretty funny and would fit in with the extra crowd a lot. Um, maybe some craft work or something. You know, these are yes. these are like would have been played. They're not like obscure songs or anything. Um, but they've kind of been they haven't been like brought forward into the modern Exeter club scene, and they should be. They deserve it. Craftwork, definitely. I kind of wonder though. I wonder if there's quite a fine line between um like classic funk and electronica and literally what your mum and dad used to listen to when they were your age i wonder if there's quite a fine line between that and if that's what puts people off like i don't imagine myself going to like a 70s theme night but if 70s things seem to crop up during the night okay cool i'm down with that i think that could be a marketing issue as much as anything else but i'm definitely with you i'm definitely with you i want cross working clubs i want it so bad i would absolutely go to a 70s night <laughs> The problem with that point, Tom, is that we're reaching the point where someone at a club's mum might have grown up with, like, the pussycat dolls who are also played in the Cheesies club. Oh, so, God. Like, there's just no winning, oh, is there? Oh, no. I guess it depends whether you care about whether your parents listen to something. Like, is that a... You know, does that matter? Like, I, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't see, hear something that I know my parents like and, and immediately think it's bad because of that, inherently. Um, it wouldn't bother me. They've given me some good recommendations over the years. Mm. I think it's one of those things where everyone goes, oh, is that a bad thing? They know they know this song, is that a bad thing? And because everyone thinks that, everyone thinks it's a bad thing, but no one really cares all that much. Maybe, just a theory. Also, just to uh, go back in time again, I can't remember, did we decide that Earth, Wind and Fire and Mojo are going in Room 101, or are they going on the playlist? Because I definitely want them to go on the playlist, just to clarify. I'll make an executive decision as as host and put them on the playlist. Yes. Nice. Thank you, Mr. Host. Particularly Mojo. I saw. I think it's been deleted now, but at some point in the week I saw uh, Stardust, the song that we talked about a few weeks ago, um, Music Sounds Better With You, as a song to get rid of. Like, what's wrong with people in this group? No. And no one's owned up to it. <laughs> I put it down. I initially put it down. Oh, no, wait. No, I don't know what it was because I got... I got um, the wrong end of stick. I thought that Room 101 was the ones you wanted to keep, and then I thought, wait a minute, what are you talking about, you idiot? And then didn't go back to correct it for a day or two. Hey, so Tom. that is a mistake. I will, I, yeah, yeah. I, I have strong opinions about this, and most of them are pretty positive, apart from Arctic Monkeys, as we discovered. <laughs> apart, from, apart from that, anything goes. We shouldn't sleep on like Kasabian as well for going into like Killers and Arctic Monkeys and indie rock from like 2000s, 2010s. I think I do hear them sometimes, but um, they've got some good tracks. They, they're one of those bands that I always think has, like, I forget how many good singles they have. I haven't really listened to albums specifically. I think I think I have briefly, but, like, I'm, I'm more aware of the singles. Yeah, they, they shouldn't be uh, looked over. Didn't something come out about one of the members of Kasabian? Uh, yes. 
quite damaging headlines. Oh, in that case, sorry. Uh, <laughs> just to gloss over that briefly, like their early music is actually rather good. I do quite like their first couple of albums. Um, but yeah, there, so was, there, was some, there was some real good songs on there. But I like after about twenty ten, just thought, eh, it's, it it really didn't jive with me. Um, so yeah. That's my that's my overall opinions of Kasabian. Was good, now meh. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. So that's our ultimate cheesy playlist that we're going to have on when we're DJs at the club when it, it restarts in June, was it, Tom? Uh, yes, June the 21st. Put it in your diaries. Unless, like, things go wrong, which they may well do. So, yeah, let... Keep your fingers crossed for June 21st. Dream of June 21st and be disappointed by reality. Our back-to-back DJ set where we're all taking turns to play random cheesy songs would be so disjointed and <laughs> random. Like, people would hate it. Yeah, probably. never said it was a good one. We just said it was ours, and that's good enough for me. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'm going to be reviewing the new Adult Mom album, and we're going to run you through... The release is coming out this week, so stay tuned. And we're back. So I'm going to be talking about the new Adult Mum album. It came out last week. I've got my Adult Mum t-shirt on. I don't know if people can see on, on our Discord channel very snazzy very nice i'm repping the colors today so they've got a new album out it's their third record it's their debut for epitaph records who are like a reasonably big independent label it's the follow-up to 2017 soft spots the album's called driver um it's very much a subtle change to the sound from their previous album um so that the synth sounds are a bit more like a bit more classic than they are scrappy, if that makes sense. Uh, in in some at some moments, they almost reminded me of sounds you'd hear on like the police songs. I don't know why my mind jumped to that, but it's that kind of really classic synth, um, like preset sounds that everyone like recognizes a bit more than. And they never went to this extent, but if you listen to "Clap Your Hands, Say Yes" debut album. The synths are all distorted and like unusual things, and you hear those kinds of sounds on indie records a lot. On this one, they've very much gone for like those classic sounds. The vocals are a bit clearer in the mix. The drums are a bit louder and a bit cleaner as well. And there are some hints of indie pop in certain guitar tones that they use as well. So the track "Breathing" has this um uh. They're like muted guitar notes and then they have a delay on it with like a short delay time and then high feedback. So I can't think of what the term would be for it, but I know there is one. Is it like slapback or something like that? The guitar players in the group might be able to correct me. Yeah, slapback's one term for it. Um, Dotted Apes is quite an AC sort of sound where it sounds like really synthy almost. Doesn't really sound like a guitar. Exactly. It's that kind of thing. It, it, and to my ear in the context, it kind of reminded me of like noughties indie pop. Um... And the track Sober also has a similar effect, but they play it slower, so it does have a bit of a, a different feel where it is that kind of quickly strummed uh, thing in Breathing where it has that kind of dotted eighth feel, and then on Sober it's a bit more relaxed. 
so these are all really quite subtle changes, but when you add them all together, it gives the whole album a much more high fidelity feel to it and feels a lot more big room, if that makes sense, as far as indie rock goes. It's still very much an indie rock album and it doesn't you know, go wildly out of that in maybe some of the ways that, you know, looking back to last week, was it when I reviewed Julianne Baker? It, it's not that kind of reinvention for them. It It's more of a subtle change from where they've been. A lot of what they have done on previous albums has stuck around. Um, partly the drums. I really love the drums on their tracks where they managed to have this really good kind of chugging along energy even on the slower songs which really helps it feel a bit more unique where on a lot of indie rock albums you've got quite a few slow songs and it can be a bit you end up waiting for the next big exciting one whereas here you can i i find that i can enjoy it a bit more because that there is a bit more driving force behind them and the other thing to mention is, if you haven't listened to Adult Mum before, what I really like about their songwriting style is that they they have just this brutal honesty about the way that they structure lyrics, and, and it almost plays as comedy in a lot of times. So on a track here called Wisconsin, uh, she's singing about um, this uh, relationship she has with this person who... She doesn't know if it's going to go somewhere romantically. Um, and she uh, she uses a few different metaphors. She says, like, their knees kissed. And then later on, she says, your arm brushed mine as you reached over me to grab your water. It's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, people think in these situations, but a lot of artists would hesitate to put it into their music because it sounds quite, like, corny and and when you're writing a song i think it's quite easy to even if you're being quite revealing about how you're feeling not put things in 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 kind of that literal way of of just like having these dumb thoughts you kind of sugarcoat it in some ways and make it sound grander than it is but here they present it in a very real sense um one concern i had going into this album is they released a single early last year called berlin i think the album was supposed to come out last year and then because of the pandemic it's been pushed and i was worried that that track would overshadow the rest of the stuff here because it is so so good i didn't feel like that was a problem listening to the album it's i think still my favorite track and probably the one to go listen to if you want to just dip in and see if this is something you might be interested in but it definitely doesn't dominate the album. Uh, another highlight I found on it was the track Adam. Uh, and this one I really loved lyrically because it kind of revels in uh, like small victories in kind of working to overcome anxiousness around uh, like being gay and pursuing relationships. And, and she sings about a kind of anxiety about approaching someone like romantically. And she frames it as how she used to feel and how she might have not approached that person who she was interested in. But now she doesn't feel terrible when she does approach someone and, you know, she might get rejected and that's fine, but at least she's able to do it. And I really liked that kind of more 
positive outlook even while she's accepting that you know things aren't okay in general for her she's like taking a moment to appreciate that there is progress and things are a bit better and maybe in the future things will be a bit better than that and i really like that you know that anxiety about approaching someone new like it's universal and it does transcend kind of while the the experience being conveyed is very personal and very specific obviously i haven't lived that experience but i can still get a lot out of the track and i can still empathize with the speaker in the song because i have had experiences where you know you see someone in a club but it's kind of awkward and you don't know if they feel the same way and you know you you don't know what to do about it because you know you're inexperienced and you care too much about your your self-image and stuff like that so it, it it does a really good job of of explaining these emotions and I think those kinds of um, uh, songwriting tricks that they use, that real honesty and, and that way of explaining things that tells a very personal story but can also apply to a lot of different situations is what sets adult mamas uh, better than a lot of their contemporaries who might have you know, quite similar sounds. Um, so overall, yeah, I, I enjoyed the album. It's not a revolutionary step forward for the band. It's a very much a progression of what they've done before. If you like Adult Mom's other stuff, you'll probably like this a lot. If you're looking for, you know, in the moment, like at the moment we have kind of this drought of new music, this is a good one to check out while you're waiting for something new to come out. So now let's have a look ahead to what's coming out on Friday of this week. Um... Again, there's not a huge amount coming out, at least not that I'm aware of, but there are a few more bits than there were last week, so that's okay. Uh, first up, we've got an EP by Vegan. This is an artist I've discovered recently. Apparently, he's a, kind of a hitmaker producer who's also done some solo stuff. Uh, his new EP is called Like a Good Old Friend, and I've really enjoyed some of the singles on it. It's kind of it's a pop EP, but it takes some aspects from hyperpop and that kind of thing and puts it into maybe a, a more accessible package. So that I'm quite looking forward to. Uh, next up, there's a new entry in the DJ Kicks series. So this is a long running mix series. Uh, Special Request is coming in and doing it. Special Request is a, a DJ and producer um, who's fantastic and released some of my favorite dance tracks of last year. Uh, some of the singles from this release have been released already, and I've really enjoyed them. Next up, Arcade Fire and Owen Pallet has a soundtrack coming out for her. I don't know if anyone knows. Is it a movie that this is the soundtrack for? I haven't actually seen anything about it. Yeah, the movie came out quite a few years ago, though, so they must have been releasing it late. Like, it's not a new movie. So, yeah, the, sound the soundtrack is actually a lot later. So they did the soundtrack, but it was never released when the film came out, and now it finally has for um, reasons. So yes, you're not going mad, Will. It is coming out this week, even though the film is ancient. So uh, yeah, you are right. Thanks, Tom. That makes me feel a lot better. And also, in Arcade Fire-related news, I don't know if anyone's heard of Bell Orchestra. So they're a, a band that's made up of some Arcade Fire members and then some other people. I've heard some of their stuff in the past and not been hugely excited about it, but 
they have a new album coming out it's called house music so that might be one to check out if you're into that kind of more orchestral indie rock post-rock type stuff sounds cool arcade fire have been very hit and miss so you know could be exciting also could be a flop but i guess we'll see very much it's very much one or the other there doesn't seem to be much of an in-between it either works or it doesn't i'm kind of looking forward to seeing what this soundtrack's like because if it was 2013 that would be around reflector right yeah exactly so it's kind of that transition from their traditional sound more with the suburbs and the stuff that came before to kind of what they're doing now with reflector and everything now we can also pretend that we're we've gone back in time rather than being in these times that should be fun the new movie coming out soon i'm so excited to see it cool so that's the show thank you for listening again this is our fourth episode now racking up the numbers 400 here we come oh crikey my microphone still hasn't arrived next week jess is gonna sound way better so you've got to stay tuned for that it's fine (laughs) no don't don't say it yet because it might not come again like you know this has been an ongoing saga now jess's microphone i want i want it to become a running gag now just like what if you got different packages but it wasn't your microphone it's just like every weekend you get an odd item and it just isn't your microphone just be i really want to be sponsored by root vegetables this just feels like it's right but not potatoes because that's an easy joke i don't know why potatoes are funny but they what's are. about parsnips parsnips yes carrots here's something everyone loves parsnips and i absolutely hate them here's something here's some content we're struggling that hard after four episodes that we've moved from music we've done all of music we've covered everything that is to possibly cover in the realm of music that's my hot take i guess Welcome to the spin-off show where we rate root vegetables and just like, no, I hate parsnips. That's the title. What what kind of parsnips have you tried? Have you tried like a range of parsnips or just like certain ones? Okay, maybe I need to change it. Try a range of them. I don't know. I just have them like Christmas dinner and like I don't like these. Because a lot of foods, like I try again, like my age when I've grown up and I'm like, oh, this is actually good. But parsnips is one of those that I just never like. You need like a nice crispy parsnip that's been roasted properly and with honey. You know, it's got maybe some rosemary honey on it. Yeah, I don't know. I think it like carrots. I don't really like them straight up, kind of boiled. I don't. I don't really like carrots that way. But if they're roast- roasted, then I do like carrots because they lose most of their flavour and they just taste like oil, which I like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the parsnips. I can't. I can't get past them. <laughs> I just can't.
that's the reason. That's the reason you like carrots because they lose most of their flavour and just. <laughs> you know, I can relate, but it's just the way you put it into words. <laughs> it's true for a lot of food, though. Like that, that's you roast. So stupid. Tom just boils all his food. <sighs> no salt. No nothing. I, no, I don't. I I never said this. I tell you what's good: steamed broccoli. Oh, that's that's amazing. Boiled broccoli, overboiled broccoli. Oh, horrible! But steamed broccoli. Oh, turns to mush. I'm not much of a steamer, but it does seem. I, I don't know why it would taste better, but if you steam it and then in a saucepan put some butter and some like black pep, ground black pepper, mm-hmm. and then like put the steamed broccoli in, fry it around for a bit, it gets like the crunchy edges and like the taste of the butter and the pepper. It's that so sounds good. like a good time. Mm. <laughs> is, is it the long stem the broccoli the long stem broccoli variety what tender stem tender stem oh I'm too mm. I'm not fancy enough for that I'm not fancy enough it's expensive oh but if you're steaming if you're steaming you're fancy enough to be on the old tender stem you can't go half-hearted yeah tender stem does steam better the steamers are one-time purchase the tender stem you know that cost adds up over time no don't purchase a steamer don't purchase a steamer just pop a colander over a boiling water that's fine yeah it i have one of the like basket things that you can put in a boiling water in the boiling water and just put the stuff on top. oh you posho it's from ikea for like one pound <laughs> <laughs> not sponsored by ikea i tell you what the middle of little is yeah the middle of little is great for stuff like that Although other supermarkets are available. In the, in the middle of Little, I swear to God, one of these days I'm going to find the meaning of life. They must have it in stock somewhere. Just like there's so much stuff. Why is there so much stuff? I don't need another screwdriver kit. I just don't. <laughs> but when you're there, you feel like you do. <laughs> exactly. That's the it's problem. It's a good deal. You can't say no. <laughs> oh, it's this is my Oh, I need this. I have three others already. Tom, me and you share a, a little... And uh, I have to say, I did, I did eye up the screwdriver set. We got, we got like five in the house, and we still don't have enough. Like five sets, not five screwdrivers. But when you see a bargain like that, it's as if you're making money. You it can't, is. This you is can't not go for it. You rationalise it in your head. That's why I never go in there, because I spend money, and it's terrible. Have you got a good range, though? Like, it's no good having, like, five packets if they're all, like, flathead. You know, and all the same. Oh no, size. they're all the same. So... They're just in different rooms. Well, that's <laughs> that is useless. Because the universal rule of screwdrivers is unless you have them in a unless you have them in a giant box, you lose all of them. Okay, so you may as well just have lots of little boxes in different rooms, and you know there is a box of screwdrivers somewhere in the room. You know it's there somewhere. It's just <laughs> this. This is how we rationalise things in our house, and it's really driving me bats. I can't wait to get my own flat. And then you can buy even more screwdrivers. I'm going to buy you some Allen keys. You're going to go off. <laughs> <laughs> screwdrivers everywhere. I, I, have to, I have to say, whilst we're, whilst we're on the, the middle of little, I've become so accustomed to even their, 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 their ranges, like the Livergy clothes range. I have to... <laughs> although I'm not sponsored by little, I have to say now, but it, it's a brilliant value for money. Bargains. <laughs> that sounded like an ad. <laughs> That's why you had to preface it. It's such brilliant value for money. One thing I have to tell you about this week is <laughs> something I've really been enjoying wearing. Big on quality, little on price. <laughs> <laughs>
And if you like going clubbing and you want some new clothes to go clubbing. <laughs> well, I know the place for you. Middle night. Hey, guys, just before you go, I wanted to bring up middle. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe other people are making money off the show and I'm not. <laughs> oh, guys, 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 bad news. I just got a text from Pumpkins. They're really cross that we're mentioning other brands in the, in the, middle, of our, in the middle of our bit. <laughs> The CEO of Pumpkins. They're threatening me. They're going to cut off my kneecaps. 